Uh, The first reading today is from John chapter 14, verses 1 to 6. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The second reading is John chapter 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is the gospel of Christ. Father, thank you so much that you're a God who speaks. And we pray, uh, speak to each one of us now. Amen. Great. Uh, We've just heard some words of Jesus, haven't we? And frankly, they're very bold words. Uh, We heard lots of uh, lovely stories of what people believe, their journey with God. But frankly, Jesus' words are bold and challenging. Let me just uh, show you quite how challenging they are. Jesus is saying to his followers, I'm about to die. But he says, don't worry, because after I die, uh, you will come with me to my father's house where I'm preparing a place for you. And Thomas, one of Jesus' followers, says, Lord, we don't know the way. We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus says these very uh, un-PC words. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. These words sound arrogant, don't they? Not a way, not I am a truth, not I am a life, but the way, the truth, the life. And in case we've missed the point, he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Just think through the impact of what this means. If what Jesus says is right, then uh, Muhammad is not the way to God. Those who follow the teaching of Buddha are not on the right path. Those who think, I'll just leave a a good life and, and be kind to people, Jesus would say to them, you are missing the point of life. And when you think about it, that is shocking and arrogant, isn't it? These words sound harsh. And maybe someone says, I thought Jesus was kind, and that doesn't seem kind. We're looking at a a little series uh, in August on tough questions, objections to the Christian faith. And today is this rather provocative question, how can you Christians be so arrogant to think that your story is the only way to live? Sounds really arrogant, doesn't it? And the shocking thing is, it's not just Christians, kind of extremists, who've gone off the rails saying this. Look, it goes all the way back to Jesus. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What I want to try and do, though, in a few minutes is just explain to you that, or try and persuade you that these words are not meant to be arrogant or harsh, but actually rightly understood, they're humble and loving. Now, I recognize that there might be some seething inside as you hear that. And uh, if that's you, please listen. If I haven't done a good job of persuading you by the end, come and tell me. Uh, I'd love to talk to you more. But do see their Jesus uh, words. We live in a time, don't we, where we're increasingly aware 
that the way we see the world is, is limited. We only see partially. Uh, and so all of us are limited by our experiences, our upbringings, who we kind of hang out with. No one can claim to see the truth perfectly. Let me give you a silly example of this. Uh, my wife is a complete weirdo. She loves to eat chicken from the bone. And not only does she eat chicken from the bone, she kind of gnaws at the bones. And I just think that's extraordinary. And occasionally in my family, we get KFC, very occasionally, because it's kind of an odd thing to do. And when we do, I just hate it. You have to eat it off the bone. My mouth gets full of gristle. And why are knives and, knives and forks are a wonderful invention? <laughs> why do I have to eat like that? But my wife would say to me, as by the look of some of your faces, so would you, no, you're weird. And James, the reason you're weird is because your mum's weird. And uh, I just realized the live stream on, my wife's going to be in trouble. Uh, <laughs> but she'd say you're weird because your mum's weird because when you were a kid you didn't eat chicken off the bone and now you think it's weird. But if you'd grown up differently and eaten chicken from the bone, you wouldn't think it was weird at all. Your experience has shaped what you think is real, is true. That's obviously a stupid example. But, uh, or some, maybe it's not a stupid example. But we heard, didn't we, from Ash and, and Jono and Tim, we've heard their stories, we've heard what's important to them. We might even go as far to say we've heard what's true for them. But I wonder if part of us thinks if they'd grown up differently, if they'd had different experiences, wouldn't they come to different conclusions? Ashley mentioned her, the role of her parents in her journey. If she'd grown up in Japan, would she not have been saying a similar thing in a Shinto shrine or a Buddhist temple, we might wonder? There's an ancient Indian folk story. So the 2,000 years old, many of you probably know it. But it's a very fitting kind of story for our time. The story goes that there was a, a village and there was an elephant. And the people in the village had never seen the elephant and uh, never seen any elephant. And so somebody brings the elephant into the town and there's a group of blind men in the center of, ta in the, center of the village. And the, the people say to the blind men, go and feel the elephant and tell us what you think it's like. And one of, the, one of the blind men grabs hold of the tail and he says, well, it's like a rope as he feels it. Another gets hold of the trunk and says, oh, no, it's, it's like a snake. Another touches the side of the elephant and presses it and says, no, an elephant's like a wall. Uh, another gets hold of the tusk and says, no, it's smooth and shiny and hard like a spear. And I wonder if that story resonates with you. None of those blind men are wrong per se. They've all grasped something of the truth, haven't they? They just haven't seen the whole picture. And that often resonates, I think, with people today because isn't that how we see the world? We all see a little bit of it, and it's not wrong, but we just see partially. And so we shouldn't make dogmatic claims. People used to do that a long time ago, and it got us into trouble, didn't it? People went out from England and said the right way to eat was with a knife and fork, and so they laughed and looked down on those who ate with their hands or with chopsticks. And those kind of dogmatic claims, they're not fitting for the 21st century. And no more so in the area of religion. Yes, Tim's got his view, and Ashley's got her view, and the Hindu's got their view, and somebody else is into crystals, and, and they're in connection with the, the life energy of the world. But we've all got a partial view, so let's not be arrogant and make these extraordinary claims. All sounds very plausible, doesn't it? I wonder if you feel the strength of that. But friends, here's the rub. As I tell that story of the elephant, as you listen to the story of the elephant, where are we in it? As we tell it, as we hear it, we should 
be one of the blind men, shouldn't we? We should be the people feeling the elephant. But actually, as we tell it, as we hear it, we're not the blind men, are we? We're looking in from the edge, and we see clearly. The only reason we know that one's got hold of the tusk and one's got hold of the tail is because we can see the whole picture perfectly. But how can we do that if all of us, all of the things we know are products of our experiences, are conditioned by our backgrounds? How can we claim not to be blind? And actually, when you think about it, that is also a breathtakingly arrogant claim. It's an audacious claim like Jesus is. Jesus says, I see the big picture, and I, I know the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the person who stands and says, no, I see clearly. Everyone else is groping for the truth. Everyone else is blind, but I see clearly. Well, it's the same as claim as Jesus, isn't it? And just think for a second what we need to do, what we need to know to make that claim. We'd need to see everything, wouldn't we? And we'd somehow need to be able to step out of the world and see it objectively, like the elephant, step back and see that everyone else is groping and feeling. But that's exactly what none of us can do. Because what we know is a product of who we've been with, where we've come from. Well, does that consign us to knowing nothing? We just can't make these claims. And Jesus' claim, like any other claim, is just arrogant. Well, it would, unless there was one who wasn't blind. Unless there was one who could speak as an objective observer. And Jesus' claim is that he is that person. The second reading, which is on the screen, says this. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in the closest relationship with the Father. This one has made him known. No one's ever seen God, but his Son, who is also God, And he, the claim is, can see the whole picture. He made the world. He sustains the world. He can stand back from it and see it. And what's more, he knows God. He is God. And so he can speak about God. And the claim is he's come into this world to tell us about God. Not his opinion, but the truth, because he is God. The picture of the world today is everyone's groping, aren't they? Everyone's trying to find their way to truth. The Bible's picture is God has come and wonderfully told us what he's like and the way to live. And when you think about it, that's actually remarkably humble. This is a great God who made the whole universe, and yet he comes to speak to us, his creatures. He loves us. He wants to have a relationship with us. It's a little bit like me talking to an ant, when you think about it. This awesome God talking to tiny creatures it's humble and because he's come from the outside he can speak authoritatively and that's actually a loving thing to do isn't it seems that all around this part of town there's just roadworks everywhere i don't know about you but the other day i jumped into car in the car and i was running tight on time and i went on autopilot to um wherever i was going and i i got two streets from where I needed to be, and this man popped up with a sign that said, um, the road's closed, you've got to go around there. And uh, it was really annoying. But did that guy appear to mess with my life? Felt like it. I'm going to be late to an important meeting. But no, he didn't, did he? he? He came to tell me that that road's blocked off. And I might have carried on and ignored him, but no amount of kind of wished, wishful thinking or, or sincerity or earnestness in carrying on that road would have got me to my destination. If anything, it would have landed me in the hole. 
And I might not like it, but if that man knows about the roads, if I want to get to my destination, I need to listen to him. And Jesus, in the same way, says, I know all other ways are dead ends. Not that they're completely wrong. There's lots of uh, things that, that partial truths in other religions, other worldviews, but ultimately they're a dead end. And Jesus looks at the world, looks at us individually, and with great love says, I am the way. All other ways are dead ends. You live for pleasure? Let me tell you about the greatest pleasure, Jesus says. You think the most important thing is relationships? Let me tell you of the greatest relationship. You want to live for God? Let me tell you how to do that, Jesus says, because I see clearly. And that's why as a Christians, can I just say, that's why we need to listen to Jesus. Because as soon as we start saying, I like to think about God, or coming up with our opinions, then we begin to be arrogant. We need to reflect Jesus' opinion. But if Jesus isn't God, if he's just another human like the rest of us, just a good teacher, a philosopher, just kicking ideas around like the rest of us, well, he's profoundly arrogant, isn't he? But if he is God's son, come from God to make him known, it would be madness not to listen to him. Madness. James Crowther, who got confirmed earlier, runs a little fitness uh, training business, weight, weight training business. And it was my birthday this week, and uh, my wife noticed I'm getting a little bit tubby, so she um, got me some lessons with James. I'm really excited. <laughs> and if you're a regular hit, you'll know that I'm an expert on a number of sports and sporting practices. But I have to admit, I don't know anything about weight training. Now imagine I go to James's studio next week and I, I kind of strut in there and James starts explaining to me what we're going to do and I say, James, I don't need to hear this, just give me the weights. That would be profoundly arrogant, wouldn't it? He's the expert, I need to listen to him. And if I don't, I'm going to ruin my body even more than it's already ruined. <laughs> and you see in the same way, if Jesus is just another person, just another one of us with all of our blind spots, all of our limitations, then his claim, I am the way, the truth, and life, is profoundly arrogant. His opinion carries no more weight than yours or mine. But if he is God, if he is the one who has the ability to see the picture clearly and to speak the truth, not just about God, but about the way to live, then what he says is humble and it's kind. He says it to point us to the best life. He's warning us that all the other lives are dead ends. But if we won't listen, if we won't even hear out his claims, then we're doing the equivalent of strutting around James's studio arrogantly, aren't we? But on a kind of cosmic scale. And the Bible would urge us to come humbly and listen to Jesus. And the promise is that if we do, we'll find the most profound blessing in the world. I think one of the most wonderful things of recent times is is we don't make audacious claims without much evidence. We, we look at some of those claims that have caused harm in the past, and we say, they shouldn't have done that. And that should make us humble, shouldn't it? It should make us great listeners. We've all got our experiences. But paradoxically, it often stops us listening. And none more so than when a claim smacks of arrogance. And Jesus' claim does smack of arrogance. It's so different to what we'd expect. And so many, therefore, hear it and say, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to check it out. But I want to challenge you this morning precisely because it is different. Precisely because it's audacious and you won't hear it anywhere else. 
check it out. There are some Bibles at the back, little Gospels with pictures of newspaper on the front. You'd be really welcome to take them away. If you've never listened to Jesus himself, not to my claim, not to the claim of those guys uh, who stood at the front, although they pointed to Jesus, if you've never listened to Jesus himself, can I encourage you to do so? If he's just another human, he's arrogant and worth ignoring. But if he is God, as he claims to demonstrate he is in those pages of the Bible, then he's the most important person to listen to. It's been a wonderful day today. We've heard wonderful stories. Uh, It's been a great time. But let me leave you with those words of Jesus. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus invites us all to come to him, come to the Father through him. Let's say a prayer together. Father, these words of Jesus are challenging to us. We, in some ways, don't like to hear them, but they're wonderful words of comfort, uh, if it's right. If you've come from the outside to tell us, you haven't left us groping around blindly, but you've told us who you are and the best way to have your blessing. And so, Father, help us all to investigate and to listen to these claims. For Jesus' sake, amen. We're going to close our time this morning uh, with uh, another hymn. It's a marvellous hymn uh, called In Christ Alone. It it celebrates our hope in Christ. During this time, the uh, offering baskets will come along. This is not a way to give to the work of St. Stephen's. If if you're visiting and and wouldn't like to give, just uh, pass it on. There's no obligation to do so. Uh, If you'd like us to connect with you, do put those slips in. Uh, We'll stand to sing.